All right, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Katie Halper. We have a really good show. Really good show. This week, we're going to be talking to Max Blumenthal, but we're going to start with the most important thing that's ever happened yeah. in the United States of America. Definitely, but also make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was me just moving Katie, my mug. That was terrible. Sorry, that was me moving my mug. You were moving your mug? Yeah. Here, and it let made me, that yeah, noise? Yeah, let's see. Watch. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that? This is such a bad setup. It's so great. Okay, because so um, uh, there's an incident this week. Uh, something happened this. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Matt, that was Matt has a much different. Yeah, yeah his, his mug. That was a silent but deadly <laughs> yeah, mug. SPD. Mug, yeah. Oh. Um, so there was some controversy, controversy because. Eric Swalwell, who I don't, I Swalwell. guess, Swalwell, yeah. I think I probably misspelled that He ran for president, you might have remembered. I know, yeah. did, we, did he even make it into any of our trivia or, or discussions at all? Um, he was the first person to, he was the first victim in Camp oh, yeah, Crystal yeah, Lake. Cr- Cr- yeah. Crystal Lake, yeah. 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 They, the, right, right in the opening credits, there was an axe in his head. Yeah, the, so yeah. Uh, trailblazer yep. uh, on that, and a trailblazer in another field, which we'll get to right now. But He, he was the Russiagate candidate. So, so he he was the person who was gonna. He was basically the the other version of Adam Schiff. Okay, and got so it. He was, he was the most aggressive on and. Wow, and and that didn't get him to the front of the. Uh, pack. Yeah, it did. Some surprisingly, wow. did not launch him to the front of the pack. So he was on Chris Matthews, and there's a big controversy over who is responsible for this. And it's and it's, by the way, it's called Fartgate. That's the hashtag. It, Fantastic. It, it gave birth Fartgate. to. And and today is Tuesday. When we're taping is International Toilet Day. It's what day? International Toilet Day. Inter- not Wait, kidding. Like a theme I'm not with our show? That up. I know. Yeah, and also it? International Men's Day. Oh, really? So no. toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Eric Swalwell was talking to Chris Matthews, um, would love to say friend of the show, amusing guy of the show, hardball. And uh, I like the way he says water, water, um, New Hampshire. He's so crazy. It's like he doesn't get that he has a show. It's like he still can't believe it. I remember watching him once and he was like, and then when we get back, we're talking about New Hampshire, New Hampshire, New Hampshire. Like yeah, he, like he was like, sort of flexing his mouth yeah, in front of yeah, the camera. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, let's let's go to the videotape. Taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. And the complaint that I've heard from Republicans. This is real, apparently. And there's Come a big on. controversy. Now, I already knew it was Chris Matthews. Here's how I knew. Now, to be fair, it looks like Swalwell because he even, he makes a gesture that's kind of in time with it. Really? Yeah. We go, okay, let's yeah. go. Let's, let's examine let's this. Examine is like, this is like a Pruder okay, film. This, this is awesome. Taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. And but the complaint he that I've heard forward from... right after. He, he, but that doesn't make sense. You do that before you do it. Not after, which is why it's just pure. It was almost like he was ducking to get out of the way. Let's can we, oh, can we yeah. see it again? Oh yeah, taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. <laughs> so it's like there was a drive-by. Maybe it was a, dri- a fart by, a fart gate. Someone farted by. He could see and he was it. Trying to, yeah, he can it was see green it. Green and coming maybe at some, him. or maybe someone like went like the, you know, like lifted their butt right in front of him, and we can't <laughs> see it. But here's the thing: if that's real, and it is, I knew that that audio is not from him. Because he's that? like in the halls of Congress or whatever, and you can tell that it's just too loud. The mic wouldn't have picked that up. And I'm not just saying that. Essie Cup also said that. Well, now, okay. I don't live by Essie Cup or her tweets, but I do. But she did say something as someone who you know is is often mic'd and and out and about, I guess, and covering stuff. But it it sounded too like. What's it called in a movie when you have two tracks? It's like crew people. You know this because you're video film people. It's like the soundtrack is when it's in the movie. What is it? Diagenic? Diagenic. You know, one of them sounds like it's there 
in studio. That right. sounds like an in studio fart is what I'm saying. And lest we had any doubts about that, you know, let's go to the tweet of the Chris Matthews. Wait, okay, go oh, ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no. I don't want to cut you off. Uh, what I would say is I think push, you're gonna push f- back. forensically, the way I would analyze this is more about just the quality of the, the, the fart and right. what kind of fart it was. So can we hear it again? Oh, I see taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. If it were Swalwell, it would be like more of a, like a, a narrower, more athletic kind of a fart. <laughs> like a more tighter, high, more, tighter. More, more high pitched. Right. That's clearly more of a flabby, flappy old guy yeah, fart. Yeah, that has you know, a, it's yeah, got a little bit right. of that, you know, yeah, kind of, it's sonorous yeah. a little bit, yeah. you know? I'm so not going to point a finger, but I think in, in You're going to pull this, the finger. Right. <laughs> yeah. In, in this tableau, I think... The, this, the suspect, right. they pretty clearly... This may be the best art, artistic analysis like we've ever done. We're talking about form, we're talking about content. That's we're talking right. About, yeah, this is great. we got to get an art historian to come in, or a film historian to come in and look at this. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, what would they call a fart expert? Fart a flatulist. Expert. Flatulist, yeah. But no, that's someone who farts. Yeah, you're right. A flatspert. Yeah. That sounds like a Yiddish word. We'll return to, we'll return we'll to return that. To so that, let's, yeah. let's see, you know, like, like any scandal, the cover-up is more important than the crime. Exactly. So let's, let's right. see what happens. So, sorry to disappoint the... Con- so this is a tweet from Hardball. Sorry to disappoint the conspiracy theorists. It was the Hardball mug scraping across the desk. Get yours today and let's get back to the news. So, okay, okay. that's a 100% indicator of guilt. Yeah, exactly. You watch House, right? You watch the show yes. House? So there's an episode once where a couple... Like they have it, some STI, you know, sexually transmitted um, infection used to be right. called disease, An STD. but yeah, yep. n- no longer. Crotch red, as he says. Oh, is it that what it is? Yeah. yeah. So, and he tells them, do you remember this one? He tells them that they have it, this couple, and neither one knows, it's unclear who caused it, right? Right. He tells them that, that you can catch it from, from being and, sitting on a toilet. And then one, then he says, and you can catch it from sitting on a toilet. And the husband in the relationship is like, that must have been what happened. Yeah, I never knew. And then house because he's a master uh, diagnostician right in more ways than one he says okay it's you right yeah exactly. because you wouldn't grab onto that theory right unless you were trying to look for an alternate explanation for the affair or the extramarital whatever that you engaged in right exactly yes no that's what chris matthews just i mean if if only if you had just farted on national television would you feel the urge to rush onto Twitter and, and make a make a lighthearted right, yeah. joke. Um, I don't see Swalwell doing that. You know, did he hold a press conference about it? No, I don't think so. Oh, well, am I dumb? They were actually totally joking. I thought they were kind of serious, but you. But I'm I'm being way too literal, which I can be, which is so wrong because I'm so sarcastic myself. I often don't get other people's what, sarcasm. The, 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 I thought that was a legit excuse. People were responding to it as if it was. No, it, it doesn't matter whether it's whether they're legitimately saying that happened or, or right. Oh no, I agree. No matter what, it di- it's obviously he was the, the farter. The fact that they even responded to of it course, all means right, right, that there's, right. But there's, did you just as another point though? Do you think that they were joking, or I thought that they were actually trying to say that that's what happened? No, I think they're just trying to make a funny out of oh, it. Oh, they're making funny out of it. Okay, make a funny got out it. Of yeah. it. But I, look, that doesn't clear the air at all. In, in any, oh, <laughs> look who weighed in on it. The Reagan Battalion. What do they say? Nope. And then it says. So after Eric Swalwell denied responsibility for the fart on MSNBC, we asked our audio expert to review the tape. He concluded that it's definitely his and his alone. He even provided us with audio waves. I can make audio <laughs> waves. To ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat. <laughs> Why does that prove it's him, though? An I mean, election. Not- <laughs> 
why does that prove it's him and not that's what i don't get is no matter what i don't see how that proves it's him over matthews and i agree with um you matt that the con both the sound the quality of the of the fart is much more Matthewsian. Yeah, it would, be, it, would, it, would be, it would be higher pitched and more focused if it were yeah, Swalwell. Yeah, cute. Yeah, it would, yeah, it would yeah. be a cute. Yeah. It would, be, it, it would be edgier. Yeah, it would be edgier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be like based on a health. Like, I feel like, is he an athlete or was he in the army at some point or something? I don't know. But I don't, I don't yeah, know. I, think we're, I think we both know what we're saying yeah, here. I yeah, think, yeah, I think you know, and yeah. I think we know that, that Fartgate, guilty, the guilty partner, the guilty fartner is indeed Chris Matthews. And wow, we really came full circle with the um, International Toilets Day because we went from uh, fart thing to some people have been saying shark, shark gate. I don't think that's really. Shark gate? Is shark like an alternative word you don't for know fart? What, you don't know what a shark is? No. Oh my God. I never thought I'd have to explain to Matt Taibbi what a shark was. Come on, use your brain, use your noggin. This is gonna, I'm gonna ruin your, this is gonna ruin your career. Sharding. You know oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I think I get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What happened to you, hey, Ruben? I'm in a situation here. We have to leave now. Well, no. Can we stay a couple more minutes? But dude, no. This is serious. I just sharted. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I tried to fart and a little shit came out. Oh. I just sharted. <laughs> right now, let's go. Amazing. How did I not know that? I know. I yeah. can't believe that. I've never, ever done that before. I feel like that goes with Beavis and Butthead territory big time. <laughs> they never mentioned. Maybe you have to rewatch the episodes. Maybe they make a lot of shart jokes that you missed out on. I think that was pre-sharding. Uh, yeah. pre sharding. Well, not chart. They, they had a lot of pull, pull my word. finger, dude. Right. Uh, jokes. I think we need to ask for official comment. Yeah. What's what is the MSNBC. what are useful idiots? What are the useful idiots community? Are What should we call our fans? Yeah, I don't know. Idiots. That seems so offensive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Idiot but pack? The, the only thing I would say is I, I hope that Matthews gets around to overtly blaming Swalwell for it. Oh, yeah. Not and then just, it yeah, I agree. It becomes yeah. a thing. I could totally see that. I Matthews want it to become nasty. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we should revisit this next we week. We totally should, yeah. All right. Well, a lot of, lot of news uh, in the last couple of weeks for Republicans suck. Basically, I just picked out a thing where, where Mitt Romney gave this very r ridiculous, evasive answer when he was talking about, somebody asked him about impeachment, and he, he said that he was not paying attention to it. And the only reason I wanted to bring this up is that we, we, we didn't talk about Pierre Delecto, and I thought it was time to, 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 to talk about that. Yeah. So, so uh, Romney became the latest celebrity to be exposed so the, the, the story always comes out the same. Somebody is giving an interview to somebody, and they ask uh, him or her about their Twitter habits. And the person says, yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter, um, and I have like another account, and every now and then I look at my, uh, you know, a relative's uh, page, or I'll, or I'll like a sports thing or something like that. They'll give some very vague information, thinking they're not going to be found out. Right. And immediately, like a thousand cyber sleuths go and look yeah. And, and figure out exactly who the person is. Okay. So uh, Romney gave an interview and he told somebody, I forget who it was, that he, you know, um, occasionally, like he was lurking right. on the internet. And they, fa they, they found his page, his Twitter account, and it's, his name is Pierre Delecto. And he's been calling himself Pierre Delecto. And, and basically what he does is he goes around the internet and the only things he commented on, basically, he, he looks at people who mention him. Right. right. There's almost no uh, anything else on the Pierre Delecto account uh, except him. And so he, he comes under the same tradition as like James Comey. You ever remember 
I didn't hear about this. James Comey online is is Reinhold Niebuhr. Whoa. Uh, And he he went around the internet saying all kinds of crazy things like, um, what's the point of watching fully clothed beach volleyball? That was your former FBI director. I've I've, I've asked myself the same question, so... Yeah, so 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 Romney was uh, he was liking tweets like uh, hopefully Hillary will inspire a new generation of girls to marry ambitious perverts who will pay off their embarrassment with Senate seats, and uh, then he he said something I think to Gingrich you were cheating on your second wife with the woman who is now your third wife even while impeaching Clinton for cheating on his wife show yourself out. That's good. I like what I like about that is that Pierre Delecto mm-hmm. is fair because he goes after the Clintons, but he right. also goes after. Gingrich for his hypocrisy in going after the Clintons. That's true. It's you know like there's a moral. But he did it anonymously and with a ridiculously within the, right within the context of being a coward, which he yeah. is. I like the moral kind of breadth of the coward. That's it's kind true. of a nonpartisan lens. I just think it's so weird that the that when all these po- politicians and you know we've had Carlos Danger too. Don't oh, forget yeah. about that. I mean they, you know they they turn out to have these these alternate identities and they're always the stupidest I things know. in the world. Like they what, what are they coming up? Where are they I'm getting these? I'm disappointed that Wiener's name. I mean, you, when your name is already Anthony Wiener, right. I feel like the stakes are higher. Yeah, you got Carlos Danger. That's kind of like less. That's more boring than his real name. Right. Yeah, you got to you got to work a little harder yeah. for that name. I mean, I don't I don't even know what it would be, but it would. Yeah, I'd be embarrassed to go out there with Carlos Danger. Yeah. Also, if you're if you're a politician and your entire career depends upon you not people not noticing right. what you're up to on Twitter. Yeah. Do you want to be? It's it's like walking around with like a you know a gown and feathers on it. Like if you have a, a ridiculous name like Carlos right. Danger or it's or true. Pierre Delecto, like right. people are going to remember Delecto. that. How did he come up with that? I don't know. Talk anyway, so who, who who do you think the next person is is going to be? Should we place bets on who the next person to have an alternate Twitter identity? I don't know. Who do you think? Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll be somebody you, Swal- you don't expect. Swalwell. That. Swalwell could could be. What if uh, Swalwell? They found out his his name was like. Flatch. <laughs> Fletch. What's that he, Chevy Chase movie? Fletch. Fletch. Yes. Be Fletch. Flatch. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And Dr. then we were. Dr. And, Rosen. And Rosen. Whole, Rosen. Penis. And the. <laughs> is that from Fletch? Yes. I don't remember that. Yes. So what, do we, what do we have for Demo, uh, Democrats? Oh, suck. for Democrats suck. We have something that's not at all surprising, which is that um, on Tuesday today, well, we have a two a, a double whammy. We have Obama telling Dems not to be too far left, <laughs> which is Obama's gonna Obama, even though he's partially responsible for Donald Trump, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his his gal, who he barely campaigned. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So yeah, so Obama gave, addressed some Dems and uh, said, this is still a country that is less revolutionary than it is interested in improvement. They like seeing things improved, but the average American doesn't think that we have to completely tear down the system and remake it. And I think it's important for us to not lose sight of that. My point is that even as we push the envelope and we are bold in our vision, we also have to be rooted in reality. And the fact that voters, including Democratic voters and certainly persuadable independents or even moderate Republicans, are not driven by the same views that are reflected on certain, you know, left-leaning Twitter feeds or the activist wing of our party. Uh, And then he said, for those who get stressed about robust primaries, I just have to remind you that I had a very robust primary, whoever emerges from the primary process. I worked my tail off 
to make sure they are the next president. I cannot wait for um, Obama to work his tail off for Bernie Sanders, by the way. That's going to be awesome. So this is some some warning that Obama issued at the Alliance for this Democracy, I, the I, Democracy Alliance. I love this whole Obama becoming a, vil- a villain Alliance, yeah. to, I know. to centrist Democrats uh, thing. Actually, to both wings of the, de- the Democratic Party. Well, how so? Well, so the, the kind of like... The people that he's directly criticizing are, are kind Warren of like and, uh, and Bernie, right? Warren and Bernie and the kind of woke left, you know. Right, I mean, right. He's, he's, right, right, he's yes. flirted with this subject a couple right, of times already. Right, yeah, and already. cancel culture. Right, yeah, exactly. And then I think the the a lot of the sort of mainstream people in the party are resentful of him piping up and becoming an issue in a way that right. is, is not necessarily... Um, I don't know. It's it's hmm. it's interesting. Like Bill Clinton went through the same thing, where he was like this. He left office as, uh, in his party, a beloved, right, uh, sort of jo- jovial, jocular yeah. figure. But when Clinton sort of reentered yeah. public life, um, a couple of election cycles later, he suddenly had that that this temper thing, and there was yeah, this he edge lost to it. it. Yeah, remember he, he, yeah, remember he kept. Yeah, yeah, of we course. Talked, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. This, the, the but although he did, what was which was it about? It was at a convention or where he spoke, and everyone on, on like the on Twitter like swooned over him. It was weird. He spoke at one thing, and people loved it. But besides that, yeah, he he just became a um, a uh, he's, a he's, vegan he, fundamentalist. Right. Maybe it was the vegan diet that made him cranky. I mean, it's attack. the Simpsons angry old man yelling at cloud thing, right? Yeah. Which is which is great. I mean, I think you know that stage of life is kind of typical of, of a politician. Yeah. You, you, you get out of office, you get cranky, you right. get pissed off at the next, right. next or you generation. Go, or you go skydiving with uh, Richard Branson. Right, yes, yeah, that, that could happen that's, that's also. the Obama movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see a picture of Richard Branson kissing, like bending down in the street at the, at the Wailing Wall or in Israel? It's amazing. No. I love this argument from Obama that like, he knows what's best for the American people or he knows what's electable for the American people. His fight for you, for single payer was so toothless right and he started off with something that was way too like if he would want to fight for it he would have started off further right from the from what he got um it's just basic politics right when you negotiate yeah so the only thing i i would hope for for obama is that he leans into this a little more Lean like, in. like Obamaism. He, he needs to gain a lot of weight Right. Oh right! Loses hair like he's me. He's not going. Th- he's yeah. not doing that though. He's, you know, and he looks good with his gray hair. I got to say, Obama's gray hair, I think, makes him handsomer. I mean, I think he's already handsome, but I think it's very distinguished. Yeah, but that's. I mean, he, he he's got to aspire to something different now. He, this this is the part. Oh, you're of saying it. better to fail, better to not fail. No, than... he's he doesn't have to look good for anybody anymore. He's he Michelle. Should, he, he should no. He should gain weight. Just sit sit all day long in a in a in a, in a, like a little gaunt, in a bar collar, pounding bugles. He should wear a velour sweatsuit. You know, wear wear like super comfortable jeans like all yeah. all day long. Like you know, three days in a row, wear the same pair. I mean, right. that, that's I think a, a president should really like not only not only am I the most powerful man in the world, but afterwards I'm going to completely let it go and right. you know let it rip. And, yeah, screw everybody, and I'm going to go on Twitter and tell everybody to shut up. Yeah. You know what really surprised me about Obama mm-hmm. was when he totally sold out or Keith Ellison. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Keith Ellison was definitely going to be the uncontested nominee for Democratic chair, and Obama injected the most— Okay, you know what? Obama, I don't want to hear anything from you about what the Democrats should do because you were single-handedly responsible for— 
Tom Perez becoming right. the DNC chair. And if you think that was a good move, that's like the Republicans probably came up with that. That's how bad a candidate that guy was. He is a charisma-free Skeletor. Right, yeah. Ton, ton, he, is, he, does, he does have Skeletor face. Right? He has total yeah. Skeletor face. And so, and he's... But is, he, is he the most Skeletor-faced celebrity in America right so. now? I think so. Who like, else no, would be up there? Trying to think of who else would be up there. George Burns, kind of. I mean, he's no longer with us, but I don't... He's not that Skeletor. She just came into me. He's like... I don't know. We'll have to revisit right, this yeah. sub- Another this thing we want to know from useful idiots fam. The only, the last thing on Obama, he's clearly determined to become kind of an issue in yeah. this race, right. uh, which is in- interesting because he could he could affect it in lots of uh, ways if yeah. he really chose to. So this is, I think he's sort of dipping his toe in the yeah. la- in, in the lake of commitment. But here, I think so. he's that. Vi- See, I always thought I knew Obama was bad about like drones and stuff, but I kind of thought he had this personal honor. I know that's ridiculous, but I thought he had this personal kind of like swagger and grace to him. And when he really intervened to get Tom Perez to be the DNC chair, throwing out Keith Ellison, which was a bad move because he got in the way of what was kind of an olive branch for Bernie people. And it was such a vain move because he wanted his legacy. So he took his Department of Labor secretary, who nobody knew about, and injected him into into the you know the democratic party that like really surprised me yeah i mean he probably didn't want to be uh to think that his presidency resulted in basically the overthrow of the party establishment right right in the burnification of the party right and but that was like i i I guess i'm being naive but that did surprise me i I think a lot of this also is he's uh obama for all of his other qualities and he has a lot of really interesting ones he's a he's you know a fantastic political performer Um, pretty funny he's he's got he's got a good sense of humor you know disappointing on a lot of political things yeah but he he i thought was always kind of a brilliant um, strategist in, yeah. in, in terms of like figuring out exactly like what position to take to get the most conceivable votes and I think his radar is a little off now right like, yeah which, which is which is interesting because he goes skydiving with Richard Branson yeah I so mean, he doesn't know that as Bernie as Amo Bernie tells us all the time and he's right you know all these issues that are framed as radical or written off as radical are actually have mass support Right. Healthcare, minimum wage, free college tuition. But this is what happens to all politicians when they've been around too much and they've spent, you know, it's been, you know, 30 years since they've actually had to earn a living for doing anything like they, you know, it's like the Hillary Clinton thing when they they decided, okay, well, we might as well take one hundred and thirty million dollars in speeches from from banks because, you know, that's not a lot of money. Like, in other words, that thought actually went through their heads. You You know, know what's meta about that is that. Hillary, I think it was during one of these speeches that she said there's, was it one of these speeches? It was something leaked that there's a danger of us becoming, of being, us being out of touch. It's funny that that, you know, if only she paid more attention to that. And they, they, there was a story at the Daily Mail, uh, RIP my uh, cred, where apparently Bill Clinton upset that the campaign wasn't listening to him about reaching out to the white working class threw his cell phone in anger off of the um, penthouse window of his uh, Little Rock mansion. Wow. We should almost have a word for when Obama pops up in the campaign yeah. and decides to mess with everybody. Like, that's that's an interesting right. thing. Right. Um, and I just want to do kind of like a, a shout out, extra Democrats suck, because I think this is a great image, a great kind of way to encapsulate everything that's wrong with, well, one of the many things that's mm-hmm. wrong with the Dems. But uh, as Evan Greer tweeted, Wow, House Democrats are ignoring civil liberties and including a three-month straight reauthorization of the Patriot Act with zero reform in the continuing resolution. Very cool way to resist Trump by ensuring he continues to have terrifying authoritarian
totalitarian surveillance powers. Right. And then um, Evan Greer included a screenshot that shows... Um, it's the continuing resolution. So right. they're, they're taking they, out the sunset. The Patriot Act was supposed to have this. Yeah, there was supposed to be yeah. a sunset act. This is going to be voted on, which is a sneaky way of signaling that they're going to they're going to vote to reauthorize it somehow. Because they have more important fights to to lose, like the impeachment. So oh, they right. don't want to yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. That. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't want to get uh, get in the way of losing one important right. political battle. By but this losing is another. exactly like what we always say, which is you know, like Trump is an existential, unprecedented threat. And that's why we need to have him uh, ratchet things up with Putin. Kim Jong-un. Well, um, uh, Cheetah Mussolini needs more, like, war powers. Right, yeah. No, it's, it's completely counterintuitive. Yeah. Like they, Choose a narrative, dudes. They, you know, all the things that we did to give presidents ridiculously, you know, broad uh, surveillance, assassination, imprisonment authority, all these things, um, you know, the ability to classify things, you know, uh, you know, to an extraordinary degree. Suddenly, not only do, does nobody regret that, but the but they're continually reauthorizing right. yeah. these things, and nobody sees the contradiction in that. Right. Because uh, for the obvious reason that we're we're in the middle of this period where everybody's supposed to love the the you know the security authorities right, right. That they're they're the they're the heroes protecting the damsel yes. in distress that is the state right so right, yeah so we can't we can't take away any of their their precious powers so it's uh it's ridiculous yeah. it's a bad look um isn't that weird just really briefly oh no sorry isn't that terrible just the headline alone says it uh arizona sheriff's deputy tackles 15 year old boy with no arms and legs i mean how does that happen? I, try, I was trying not to laugh. When I, I know. Said that. <laughs> it, we're la- it's it's funny because it's because it's like a Gilbert Gottfried joke, basically. Yeah. Like somewhere in there. There's oh my a- god! There's. Oh my god! That's. Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait. So the kid, I, the kid knocked over a trash can, and of course, so, so, so naturally, you know, as a, as a sworn peace officer, really, the first that's thing what he, it was. He knocked yeah, over yeah, a trash yeah, can. Yeah, he was he was acting up at a home. They, so they brought in. They that's called they so called the cops. Uh, Why did they in. call the cops? Also, I have no idea. I mean. The, the thing that the only thing that I think a serious note on this that I mean obviously it's it's horrible and it's like impossible to watch and yeah. and and, uh, and you know which is what they were betting on what what are you thinking when 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 you tackle a kid with no like how does how in the internet age does it not go through your head that I'm going right. to end up on the internet in two seconds you know that's yeah. the first that's the first thing but the uh, the thing that's horrible about this and I think you, the, the, you, the detail that I like the thing that's horrible about this up until now it was just a yeah it was just it was a walk in the park yeah. um, um, you can charge anybody with disor- disorderly right. conduct for anything, and, and this this is this is what people should realize about how like street enforcement works. Like you know, some kid shows up and he just v- videotapes something, and they can throw a disorderly conduct charge. Right. It's totally in the mind of right. the officer, yeah. and even if they're completely wrong and the case is going to get thrown out, like they, you know, you, you can actually bring somebody in on that, and that that's something that happens a lot. There's a, there, you know, uh, so many tickets in uh, in cities like New York. I, uh, this was in Arizona though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's you a, know who'd be proud of this though? Arpaio. Arpaio. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta make sure that you're tough on crime. Yeah. I guess you know to protect the public. Anyway, what we have for isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Is a uh, you know I feel like this is an isn't that weird story, but it's also uh, if we could open up that yeah thank you very much. Uh, it's also a kind of isn't that heartwarming because honestly I've been getting a lot of pushback from my kind of cataphobic 
um, discourse. And I do think some cats are cute. And you know what kind of cats I think are cute are fat cats. Fat cats. Chubby okay. animals in general and chubby cats. Yeah. But so basically, let me let me set up the story. So the so I'm just gonna have to read part of the article because it's such great pun material, big pun material. Okay. So uh, the PR catastrophe faced <laughs> by Aeroflot. After, have you flown that? Of course. Okay, it's a Russian airline, right? I'll, I'll wear my Aeroflot shirt okay, next time. Yeah. Oh, sponsorship op. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the PR catastrophe faced by Aeroflot after the airline banned a man from traveling with his cat because it was too heavy continues to find new lives. Uh-huh. <sighs> As meme smiths flood social media with litters of feline aviators. I'm sorry, wait, whoever this writer is, you should be sent to lead jail for, oh, for this. Okay. The, 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 there's a four-pun minimum. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. The tale of Mikhail Galen and fat cat Victor charmed the world earlier this month when Galen revealed how he'd fooled Aeroflot into allowing Victor to travel with him on a flight by using a cat double to get around the Russian airline's weight restrictions. Okay. Um, oh, he's cute. Okay, let's see. Galen's Clever switcheroo saved Victor from traveling in the hold for eight hours and won the hearts of people everywhere. The story has been covered by news outlets across the world. However, Aeroflot was far from impressed by the cat lover's ingenuity and subsequently <laughs> stripped Gallen of his airline miles and kicked him out of his loyalty program. But the move appears to have backfired spectacularly after Russians began flooding social media with memes mocking the airline and depicting Victor as a champion aviator. I'm sorry, this, this, this... That that story, I think Aeroflot didn't. They should have thrown him off the plane. No, mid-air. he probably saved his with or without parachute. <laughs> without. And I, you know, I'm not a. I don't like cats, but you know, there's a person who put their dog in in the thing up top or in storage. No, Mitt in the Romney. thing up top. Well, Mitt Romney put his defecating dog. On, right. Well, it wasn't defecating then. That's probably why he. Right. He yeah, he literally strapped Seamus. That was his name to the top of their car, and then Seamus defecated. Do you remember when you flew this airline? Were there any fat cats around, or no? But the airline is is uh, Aeroflot is is. They had cigarettes. Uh, le- legend until like that f- five months ago, right? They, but they're they're just they're famously, um, you know how Western airlines are all about. We're gonna you know make you happy and right. comfortable, and Aero, Aeroflot's the fuck you airline. It's right. just like you know they throw you in the corner. Like I literally once got a meal from Aeroflot that was that was like an old piece of chicken in a in a plastic bag you know like a ziploc bag they'll just throw it on a plate oh my God. it's just terrible like but that was always something that was kind of part of aeroflot's charm right. is like you know you'll go into the plane and there'll be bolts sticking out of the floor right. and stuff like that so i i'm totally all for the the fact that they completely cracked but down why on would you person. why would you tell them why did he his his mistake was advertising that he had yeah them. exactly that was anyway yeah. i i want to say i do think some cats are cute so Cat, and, yeah, cat, cats can be cute. And a lot of people are, are mad at me on Twitter. Really? Think, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So a um, couple of things. Uh, I very rarely do this. I've, I've actually almost never used the bully pulpit of a platform in a major media outlet to get something that I personally want. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, in this case, I want to uh, I want to use useful idiots a little bit. I have a, a private obsession with sports mascots. Okay. Uh, like I, I just love all of them. I research them obsessively, and one of my favorite things in life is Crazy Crab. You ever heard of Crazy Crab? Mm-mm. So Crazy Crab was the the mascot of the San Francisco Giants. Crab is also in powwow chai recipe. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, all right, it's this, all coming this, this together. This is all so, coming yeah. together. So, yeah. So, it's the greatest idea in the history of mascots. The San Francisco Giants decided to intentionally make a shitty mascot. 
Okay, so they they designed this thing. It looks like a cheeseburger with hands. Okay, right? It's like a this terrible looking crab, and they put this poor guy who called himself Crazy Crab, and they made they made a terrible theme song for it, and it was like awful. People people put the covered their ears when they heard it. it was everybody loves the Crazy Crab? Like Cindy Emmer voice. It was so bad that people used to pelt him with batteries. Like players That's used to put awful. firecrackers in his face and stuff like that. That's and abuse. So, I want to find Crazy Crab. My, my, my ambition in life is to meet Crazy Crab. And I, I, I briefly saw something on Twitter about this a couple of days ago. And I remembered that I had this T-shirt. So if Crazy Crab is out there, if the person who was Crazy Crab right. is out there. Oh, it's there, over? He doesn't exist anymore? He doesn't. No, no, no. Oh, this in was fact, like a short stint? Yeah. So in fact, there was, a, there, there was a story. I'm not even sure if this is true or not. That after they canceled Crazy Crab, that... Um, it's kind th- of an ableist name, but... He had the Crazy Crab suit... Th- here we go. Is this it? I like that little Russian dance move he's doing, you know. What is that dance move? I love it. It's so cute. Yeah. He just is clicking his heels in the air. Anyway, this this person allegedly took so much abuse. Um, Good thing it's a padded outfit. Allegedly, that when he was fired... Um, he, he contrived to have the crazy crab costume thrown out of a helicopter over the over the crowd, and little children watching it thought crazy crab was in the in the suit and died, oh. and they oh, cried. No. This is, I want to know if all this is true. Like this is well, all they, like sort of secondhand. Yeah. So crazy crab, if you're out there, please contact the I show. I can't believe they did crazy crab that way. It's just the That's greatest awful. idea. Why? Why, well, why is, they why? make him so ugly and whatever, and then retire him? I think because the, the I think the storyline was that the owners hated the idea of a, of a mask. Mascot, and instead of of giving in to doing a real mascot, right. they decided to, to intentionally sabotage the mascot. I think it's kind of cute. I, I, mean, I think it's hilarious. So, so your shirt says "Rehab, the, Rehab crab. the Crab." I got a picture of Crazy Crab in the back. So, so you have to show this shirt of Crazy. Oh, he's so cute. Rehab right. the Crab. So is this a movement to bring him back? And I like his chunky legs. His chunky little. They're like chunky little. Like crab legs. I just want Crazy Crab back. That's, I, I just I miss Crazy Crab. So, Matt, you went on uh, Joe Rogan uh, this week, uh, last week. Congratulations. Yeah, um, I can't believe the Katie Halper bump has moved you that far. <laughs> I mean, you have been on his show before, um, but I'm pretty sure that was like some kind of weird, like ex post facto retro. Oh, of course. Katie yeah, Halper it was show. a bounce. B- bounce. It was yeah. a bounce for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. It was like a boomerang type thing in the space time continuum. But um, we talked about a lot of fun stuff, like whether or not uh, Donald Trump was on speed. So right. it was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. a great interview. Um, and one of the things that happened is that uh, someone mentioned that you were dropping knowledge or dropping truth and asked if you'd be willing to talk to Andrew Yang. Now, you said. You kind of underplayed it. You said that you, you know, we'd love to talk to him. Now, Andrew Yang and the Yang gang, I'm talking to you. And Andrew Yang's staff, I'm talking to you also. We've reached out. We've been in communication. I know that, I think that Yang and, and Andrew and Matt have mutual respect for each right. other. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. That. I'm going to yeah. leave it at that. I think we all have, we have collective yeah. respect. Collective respect. I mean, I don't know if he knows who I am, but I'm sure once he finds out, he will have a lot of, it'll probably actually surpass his respect for you. <laughs> of course. Um, Instantaneously. And what gives? Why hide? We've had on um, Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball loves Andrew Yang. She's done a lot of great we've Andrew had, Yang. We've had Tulsi Gabbard. We've had Tulsi we've Gabbard had on. Bernie, we've had Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders, NBD. So not to be whatever, but I really, I, I'm a little offended that Absolutely. you guys aren't jumping at the opportunity. And I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in Yang Gang because ever since you found this out, 
you should have been moving to get Andrew on the show. It's kind of an indictment of the power of the Yang Gang. I mean, frankly, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. like we, we, we thought that they were, you know, they were kind of a feared yeah, movement. Yeah, fierce movement. But right? they're pretty uh, neutered. They're kind of neutered. Right. So, yeah, and I even hashtagged them. It's true, Andrew Yang, Yang Gang, make it happen. Because Matt very diplomatically said, we've asked Andrew Yang on. We'd be glad to have him on. Useful idiots. People should be afraid of the Yang. Like, if they cross the Yang Gang, they're going to, yeah. like, their faces you know will be ripped I'm gonna, off in the middle what of the can night. I, I'm going to say something. The Yang Gang sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be You're just putting it I'm going to put it out there because honestly if I don't see a response from Yang's team it's confirmation that the Yang gang is a powerless that they, you know what it's confirmation of that Yang doesn't care about the Yang gang. Wow. So this is the good cut back. This is where I'm, I'm going to say, like, my partner's out of control. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you, you can talk to me. Everything's fine. Yeah. I, I would be very glad to talk to, to engage with I the mean, Yang gang. I mean, we tried. I mean, there have been multiple. I don't want to share too much dirty laundry, but there have been multiple exchanges. I don't know what else I can say, Andrew and Andrew's staff. We just hope it'll have a happy ending. And, if, of course, if he comes, if he does come on the show, I'm predicting a, a 2% bounce within oh, the first yeah, week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say, if he does come on the show i will personally perform a bris <laughs> he's very anti-circumcision that's a circumcision for people who don't know i wouldn't circumcise my kid by the way but that's neither here nor there i don't have a kid but i'm saying if i did have if one, you did I have a kid you, would, you so. wouldn't chop his i don't think so but also let's off. not let's let's be real it's so not whenever people say the word female circumcision it's the worst don't don't call it that it's genital mutilation and circumcision Okay, I don't want, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to go there. But Andrew, all I'm saying is that I've got some sharpening my, <laughs> sharpening my scalpels. This is, uh, this no is, pressure, this is, Andrew. this has gotten out of control. Yeah. So, um, all right. Seriously. So the, the only other, the only other housekeeping item is should we talk about Devil Patrick? Because uh, yeah, the, 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 the camp, this, yeah. camp Crystal Lake situation is that uh, nobody knew has has really technically dropped out, but we've essentially gained a couple of yeah. candidates at this point. Devil, yeah, which you wrote about. Yeah. So we got Deval Patrick, um, who is going to be an, insp- an inspirational Bain Capital uh, yeah. like a veteran, uh, right. since, of course, we didn't have that enough in, the in 2012. Rom- yeah, the Mitt Romney of yeah, uh, so it's the P- Pierre Delecto of the, of, the, uh, of the Democratic Party. Right. And then, you know, the Bloomberg is technically in the race now, right. sort of, on, on a, in a couple of states. Yeah. And um, um, who was it pointed out? I think it was Paul Blast pointed out a piece on... Bolivia that the Washington Post both um, like criticized um, Evo Morales for having a uh, basically seeking out another term while also praising um, Bloomberg, uh, which okay. was interesting because, of course, he was also not a fan of term limits. But yeah, Matt, you open your piece. Deval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts and newly resigned executive of Mitt Romney's private equity firm, Bain Capital, has entered the Democratic primary race, which is shaping up to be the biggest ensemble disaster comedy since Cannonball Run. And so then you had someone on Twitter um, respond. Yeah, basically yes. so someone, someone suggested that um, we should come up with, uh, we should try, try to figure out for every character in Cannonball Run, uh, make sure assign everyone who's in the Democratic ra- Party race to a ca- one of those characters. Right. So we have to figure out who who is the Dom, Dom DeLuise in the story, yeah. and who's the Burt Reynolds in the story, who's the uh, the Farrah Fawcett in the story. A lot of amazing cast members in this. I've so never who, seen who's, that movie. who's the Captain? Ca- oh, you haven't seen What's Cannonball Run? 
Cannonball Run, if you haven't, if you hadn't seen it, is one of the greatest bad movies of all time. It would ma- it made a hundred million dollars, I think, wow. in nineteen eighty one. The script is completely mailed in. Like they stopped trying in within the first five minutes, but it's just hilarious. They they had everybody in uh, in in the world in the movie, yeah, it's and huge. It, it's uh, it's like. Smokey and the Bandit meets The Great Race meets something. I don't know what it is, but it, it's uh, it, just like the Democratic Party primary. It had way too many characters in it, and it was incredibly right. hard to follow, and uh, so you didn't really ensemble. believe any yeah. of the acting, so right. it's uh, it's perfect. I think we, that's a project that's worthy. So very excited to talk with our guest, um, a former subject of the show, now becoming guest of the show, Max Blumenthal. He's an award-winning journalist and the author of several books, including best-selling Republican Gamora, Goliath, The 51-Day War, and The Management of Savagery. He's produced print articles for an array of publications, many video reports, and several documentaries, including Killing Gaza. Blumenthal founded The Gray Zone in 2015 to shine a journalistic light on America's state of perpetual war and its dangerous domestic repercussions. And he's the co-host of Moderate Rebels with Ben Norton. And his website, Grayzone, uses a very serif-heavy uh, font. Right. Yes, it does. And let's welcome Max. Let's welcome him on. Da, 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 Studio da, da, audience da, da, that we da, don't da, have. Da. Welcome, uh, Max Blumenthal. So excited to have you on. Welcome. Good to be on. Good to be in this white Elysium cloud. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the cloud. Max, uh, as we already have mentioned, uh, Max is a great and very controversial journalist and uh, the founding editor of The Gray Zone, which does really important work. And Max is also armed and dangerous, apparently. We'll get to that shortly. But we actually did talk about Max. We talked about you a couple episodes ago when you were... Um, Arrested. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, sure. We were like one of, I mean, this, I'm not damning us with faint praise here, but we were one of like five places, I think, that talked about it. Well, you were the most kind of mainstream. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> Mainstream big, adjacent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mainstream yeah. adjacent. Yeah. But it was ridiculous. Um, so we'll get into that. And I definitely want to get into the like silence around that. Which the, f- was, the first thing I want to ask about is this yeah, picture. Yeah, the Twitter picture. Yeah. What's up with your Twitter? I saw that uh, photo in an RT piece about my arrest. And I was... <laughs> Really amused by it. I kind of look like a jet lagged kind of Bond wannabe. Yeah, and uh, half villain, half actual Bond. It's well, kind of but a you can actually see there's an RT like bat like um, logo around my lanyard because I was at the RT 10th anniversary, which was this notorious thing that. I just went to for the spectacle of it and you know no one knew who Michael Flynn was and I was hanging out with Jill Stein and was thinking like this might be problematic for her but right. like I don't care um, you know I'd been Oh going, so you were there. That's so I was there and so now there's like this uh, constant attack on me you know saying that I was recruited by Putin and right. grew there to be like a Russian spy slash asset and I thought you know it's kind of a protest photo to just kind of Say fuck you to everyone. Right. Um, <laughs> to say hello, Russia. Yeah. How do you say hello? Um, so hello, Russia. Are you Pretty listening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, what it says is that all roads lead to Putin. Right. That's right. That, yeah. as, as Pelosi says. I want to ask about the decision. So you, you chose the, the, the folded fingers pose. As a, a, they yeah. chose that of me. As right. opposed to the, the... As opposed to holding, what is the animal that the you're cat, kissing? The fluffy cat. The, yeah, fluffy he cat. definitely looks like... like it, you look like... Um, I have to say, because I've had Max on my Dr. show No. I have some really embarrassing author for yeah. photos out there. I mean, there's like... Oh, wow. Oh you just God, got yeah, burned. Those, those Thank you, terrible, film yeah. crew, for That's a good... Up, uh, it's a decent photo. It is a good photo, but you know what? You kind of there's look like Adam Johnson gonna, yeah. when his Jack Black type of photo, where it's like this... It's this kind of very like... 
he, cheers. Like, yeah, no. A, no. a little bit of a raised eyebrow. Yeah, and, uh, no, yeah, no. Those are the ones you would see. See the one with the hand. That's the. That's the. Oh really wait, where's bad the hand one? one? Let's see. See the, Oh the my god. There. This is like a SI swimsuit issue picture. Matt's hand is behind his head. It's almost like he's doing crunch. Like. How would you describe this? You're no, like a self-help it, author for like suburban I men. I think it's more like female no, model. The yeah, way yeah, of the yeah, superior no, it's, it's, man it's, it's dealing more, with dating and aging. and It's a come hither gigolo photo. Yeah, yeah it's really bad. He has his hand behind really his bad. head. That's, not, that's I like a good that. photo. That, yeah, but that's just a, uh, it's very endearing. whatchamacallit. Yeah, it's very endearing. Not, that does not look like you. Yeah. Um, but That's from the Huffington Post game. That, that, that was stuck You're a behind, game changer. I was a game changer. I was behind Michael Bloomberg at that one. Wow. Just behind Michael Bloomberg. Wait, why are we talking about me? Can, wait, wait, we'll go back, yeah, can you mock me? <laughs> yeah, moving, moving on. Anyway. Well, the, one of the problems with me is that I don't have eyebrows. Oh, yeah. And so I just look you kind of like weird. a serial killer in every photo, yeah. no matter what. Or Whoopi Goldberg. Come on now. She doesn't have eyebrows. Have you noticed that? But it's it, yeah. Now that I brought it up, you're yeah. But she isn't like it. she doesn't blend into this wall behind right, me. Right, right. Like I just look like two. You need to just. Eyes. Why don't you get? Why don't you tattoo them? Yeah, like microderm abrasion or like... Uh, we, we could probably superimpose some eyebrows yeah. on. I have to say, as someone who's had Max on my show and I like to make graphics with um, when I have people on, actually, you both were in my Anchorman photo that I did on a Russiagate episode. Oh, right, I, yes. I superimposed uh -huh. your faces onto various Anchorman characters. Um, you guys, Glenn Greenwald, Rania Kallick. Um, and it's very hard to find a flatter... You're a handsome man in real life. Well, thank you. You're welcome. But it's hard to find a, a flattering photo of you. You're just, you don't photograph well. That's not an insult, by the way, saying someone's photogenic or not photogenic. It's not an insult. It just means how much the camera represents how you look in, in, the, in real life. Sometimes people, what, is what, that a? What, there's just a thing about me where I don't yeah. look, I just look like a little bit like, I don't know, maybe unique is a certain word. So wherever I go, somebody always says I look like some character yeah. in some show. It's either this guy in Homeland, Someone said I look oh, like yes. some guy in Grey's Anatomy. Growing up in from, D.C., uh, I got compared to either Ronald Steve Reagan. from 90210 or Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport, I see. That's the one I see the most. A little yeah. bit of Carson Wentz in there, too. Who's what? that? He's a football player. Carson uh, Wentz? Yeah. yeah. Well, but that's a nice I have people. a better offensive line right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Many offensive Man, lines. He's getting hit. Um, Anyway, so, uh, but that is a flattering photo of you. There's another good photo of you, but it's a little blurry. I know this because I tried it, you know, when you I made it. You looked up Prince Harry. Prince Harry came up. Yeah, Prince Harry. We can, we should. Oh, because you're a redhead. Yeah, so actually that's, that's. I wonder if that came up. Hang on. We, we, um, so are we going to talk about yeah, anything yeah, yeah. here on no, the show? Just look just, this is like Seinfeld where so nothing the, happens. The, 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 Except the, we're funny. The, the celebrity man oh, is, uh, is Prince Harry times Damien Lewis divided Damian by Lewis. Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's and then that's 50, 50 max. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Max Blumenthal. Right. Um, All right. So you yeah. got arrested recently. Yeah. You, you want to start us, off with tell, that? Tell us about that. Yeah. Again, thank you for you know bringing that to the your your viewers and listeners' attention. Um, there actually has been a real strong outpouring of support. I've gotten a lot of solidarity that I didn't expect to get, including from some people who just ne you know, will never promote one of my articles or whatever, which is great um, because there's a, there's a principle there right. that should be upheld. Um, there's also been people who celebrated me being arrested sure. and basically confirmed that they want me jailed because they don't like what I have right. to say It's never a good look. You're supposed to pretend if you believe in democracy yeah. and you call, they call you like a genocide celebrator, yeah. denier, they're supposed to pretend to be opposed to jailing people for right. their words. Backing so, up, let's set the scene. No. What, what happened? Well, uh, a, 
I, I was in and around the Venezuelan embassy when um, Juan Guaido's mafia in Washington, which is basically paid, is, is, is paid by the U.S. government, led by this figure, Carlos Vecchio, who's the fake ambassador in Washington. These are people who've been plotting coups in Venezuela for um, almost two decades now. Um, wanted to take over the Venezuelan embassy in Washington and turn it into their own lobbying shop in complete violation of the Vienna Conventions, in violation of D.C. eviction law. Um, and a number of activists and journalists mobilized to kind of get in their way and defend international law. I was among them. And, you know, at the Gray Zone, we've been exposing the coup and ripping the opposition Guaido narrative to absolute shreds. So the opposition eventually laid siege, taking their kind of right-wing exile community in northern Virginia and around the country and surrounding the embassy to starve out those activists who were inside. I was outside, um, and anyway, five months after this um, standoff ended, um, and it ended, it ended with a military Waco-style raid on the embassy to extricate the... F- to extricate the four final embassy defenders who now are facing a year in prison for being there. Um, Five months after that, a team of DC police officers show up at my door uh, pretty aggressively threatening to break my door down. It's Friday morning, it's 9 a.m. And And you you had no indication that anything like this was coming. uh, I had no indication that there was any warrant for me and I hadn't done anything that could have been remotely considered criminal. Um, So uh, what I can say, because it's an open case, is that the charge against me is simple assault. I'm completely innocent. I'm just, it's a complete fabrication. And it was made against me, I believe, because of who I am and the work that I do uh, by a group that's being, that's being basically used by the U.S. government to carry out a vicious coup against an independent country and its UN recognized elected government. Um, and beyond that, when the police arrived, they demanded to come into my house. I didn't know it at the time, but I was listed as armed and dangerous in the warrant. So essentially what this US backed opposition movement was doing was using the cops, essentially weaponizing the cops, in, in effect swatting me as to get revenge on me. And the police... Well, okay, well, you don't know 100% that that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, we, you don't know exactly what the genesis of your, your case is. I mean, well, it, it comes, be, it stems from a false allegation by an opposition member. That's, okay, that's true. That's, and yeah. a decision that was made... You know who the person, I'm not trying to, but you know who the person is. Yes. Okay, and it's yes. an opposition person, okay, yeah. Yes, and it's someone I never assaulted. Right. Um, and You're like, I went through all my assaults. It did not but it's part system. of a wider strategy sure, that's course, being right. used. For example, police recently showed up at Medea Benjamin's house on a false assault charge leveled against her by the same exact element, U.S.-backed element in D.C. So it's, there's a pattern there. And they so said she assaulted Debbie, Debbie Wasserman, Wasserman Schultz. Schultz. And you, but what the what? video, yeah. But then they didn't arrest her. Interrupting. 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 Let go of me. 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 Let go of
Let's play like not devil's advocate, but but just saying things that are like to the most anti Max Blumenthal, most yeah, yeah, cynical yeah. person, right? Here's what you know, right? You were char you were arrested, you were picked up at your house five months after the alleged incident. incident. You had no idea about that. You were um, taken to the to jet to. Well, they threatened to break my door down. Entered my home. Uh, there were many of them. Um, apparently, because I'm armed and dangerous, right. according to this. Warrant. Yeah. How does that designation even t happen? It happens on three percent of warrants, according to the National Crime Information Center, and it's usually for people who have a history of homicide or who are on the run for a violent crime. Okay. So I don't know how that happened thrown in a paddy wagon. I mean, is it like a check in, in, in a warrant or is it something that's actually written somewhere? It was, a, they have various um, designations of the right. wanted person and okay. they checked armed and dangerous. Right. Okay. And I tweeted it out um, from the warrant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm thrown in a paddy wagon. They're like, we're just trying to get you to court. We'll have you out today, though that didn't happen. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, first, you know, after driving around my neighborhood, picking up various uh, people for the crime of being poor, um, they take me to a local, the local police station, deny everyone a right to call their lawyer oh, so or like anyone. Everyone was denied that right. This is just routine. Um, and nobody uh, says anything about it because right. these are poor black people who are denied the right to call right. Or they anyone. Say, right, so, so it doesn't get any. They don't have a voice. Right, They're right. just totally yeah. voiceless. Um, and then, you oh, know. I'm I thought they were like picking on you, but this is just like, no, that's just what they do. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's not, well, do you, do you feel better now knowing that... Uh, it wasn't personal and that everyone is disenfranchised and has their rights, uh, rights violated. I feel more connected to yeah. them. I yeah. mean, these are. I mean, I was kidding, but yeah. I live in Ward, I live in Ward 8 in D.C. and I know what goes on there. And, you know, but I know guys who have to wear ankle bracelets right. and they themselves hadn't even done anything that merited that. Um, but to actually, you know, go through the, the, the process they go through week in and week out where you're, you know, then I was thrown in a cell with a guy, it's a five by seven cell with just a little toilet there and you, I just have to languish there for like 15 or 16 hours with nothing to do. Then you're taken out to the, taken and transferred to where, to um, the court. There's US Marshals there. They're pretty, they're super aggressive. This is your, you know, get against the wall. This is your groin check, do not react. Um, there's all different forms of shackling. Um, you're put in the, what's called the bullpen. And you know it's sixty or seventy, um, almost in almost all black men sh uh, chained or you know they were cuffed and they're now being held in a cage. It's very similar to the images of migrant children on the border. Mm. Then you're transferred. Oh well, then uh, at a certain point, the mentally ill were brought into the bullpen. So you have people who can barely function in society right. who are just thrown in the middle really of this cage with you. Yeah. And that, you know, agitates the environment, whereas everybody was kind of getting along and, you know, there's a boredom, so everyone's talking right. to each other. Then you're transferred to, um, after, you know, more shackling, where you're now your hands and your feet are shackled, you're transferred to a smaller cage with 10 guys in separate cages right behind the court. And then I had to wait basically I was one of the last I was one of the I was the first person in and one of the last people out um, and you know by the time I got before the judge I had like cuts in the back of my ankles and you know at one point I couldn't get off the floor because 
I kind of like tried to sit down and, you know, it's impossible to get off the yeah. floor when you're shackled like that. So, you know, it was a physically sort of exhausting process just to get before the judge and they let me go on my own recognizance. And now I have a, um, a status hearing on Friday where a oh. trial date will be set by the federal government, by the Trump Department of Justice. And it appears that they're going to take this to trial and attempt to convict me on this false charge. And you, you could get, you know, in the worst case scenario, which is probably not likely, but it could happen, you could, you could actually get some time, right? Well, first of all, simple assault is a misdemeanor charge. And a number of guys I was in jail with uh, went home without charges. They call it no paper, the golden ticket. They had simple assault charges. The corrections officer said, yeah, simple assault's always thrown out. Don't worry about it, man. Uh, well, look at what's happening. It's a political case. And so I've had to shell out for a trial lawyer um, and prepare myself, um, prepare to acquit myself and to establish that I am indeed innocent. So the facts are going to speak for themselves if the government wants to take this sham to trial. But what's uh, pertinent here is that this is part of a wider campaign um, to not only use you know, the media and social media to denigrate and defame and essentially destroy me and everyone around me. It is part of a wider campaign to use the legal system against me and the gray zone. And more details will be coming out about that. Um, This is sort of the wave of the future. Well, uh, yeah, let's get into that a little bit because there's a couple of things here. First of all, clearly, because of the time frame, somebody had to make a decision considerably after the fact consciously to do this uh and you know i I think the police uh generally speaking if there's a journalist involved especially there you know it's not like this is something that happens in the spur of the moment they actually have to think this through uh most most of the time so it's it's uh it's a very bizarre thing i mean it would be is your attorney going to try to find out through discovery what the how this all came about whose idea it was i mean uh it's was there was the complaint filed very late? I mean, what what's the what's the the uh, I was, explanation? For I it? was told by someone who had knowledge of the process that a judge and a judge had rejected a warrant for me months ago. You know, I traveled in and out of the country during this yeah. period of five months, and customs didn't stop me. Um, nothing happened. They knew where I was. So first of all, they could have just called me and said, "Turn yourself in." Um, there was no reason I was a flight risk, and I have nothing to fear because I'm innocent. Um, but instead, they chose this very aggressive method of picking me up. Um, and then beyond that, you raised a really important question. Why did this happen? And how can we learn about this decision? So there are going to be, as far as I know, I hope there will be attempts at discovery. But what the State Department can do is put protective orders on discovery so that I'm unable to publicly reveal it. Right. To right. reveal collusion. But as I said before, collusion, collusion, yes, collusion collusion. between the Venezuelan opposition whose salaries, I mean, this is a group that was basically created by the U.S. They're called Voluntad Popular or Popular Will in Venezuela. And they've been behind every coup against Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro. I mean, do you think this falls kind of under the uh, the rubric of using the idea of using the criminal justice system to kind of freak out journalists or even actively Mm. punish like? there's been more of that in the last, you know, 15 years or so since the war on terror started. You know, you have the various uh, instances of the Espionage Act being invoked, right, with people, who, who, uh, national security sources who talk to reporters. There was a, I, th- I think it was a Fox reporter who was 
an unnamed co-conspirator in one of the Espionage Act cases. So the idea of like charging reporters with crimes. Um, Assange, obviously. Assange, the Assange thing. I mean, what, do, do, do you think it, or do you think this is an individual instance of maybe somebody doing a favor for somebody in the Venezuelan, uh, you know, diaspora movement or what do you Yeah, I can say conclusively that the U.S.-backed Venezuelan opposition made a decision to lie about me and to take uh, steps to have me imprisoned and prosecuted. And, the, the, and we also know that the U.S. government is responsible for the existence of their um, political party in Venezuela and its apparatus in Washington and Miami. So that's what I can say for sure. Mm-hmm. And we need to learn more. But there is a wider campaign against me and the gray zone um, using the media and the legal system. And I think, you know, first of all, I've always said that, you know, I could get the Washington Post to write about this really pertinent Washington story uh, if I were to take up Russian citizenship and denounce Putin. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, you lived in Russia. I mean, you lived in a much less open society. Um, you know, maybe you have more of a perspective on what journalists go through where it's unclear how you're going to run up against the legal system. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Or you, or they just get hit in the head with a crowbar over there. You know? I mean, we're not, yeah. we're not there yet. But I it, think it, we're it, moving into, um, into that realm mm-hmm. uh, or maybe, uh, you know, a Turkey, more like a Turkey scenario. But we're definitely, we've definitely entered an information war mm. where this is no longer about journalism. It's about an information war and the intelligence community and the national security state are setting the agenda. And if you want to make it in journalism, you have to go along with that agenda. And, you know, the more enthusiastic you are to advance it, um, to be an asset, as it were, uh, or a useful idiot of the CIA, uh, the better you're going to do and the more awards you're going to get from these kind of billionaire-funded journalism awards societies, uh, which have, you know, where billionaires kind of function as cutouts of the national security state. So that's, that's the era we're in, in journalism. And I mean, especially uh, we're in Washington, where the paper of record in the city is, a, you know, owned by a major CIA contractor. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's gotten kind of silly. I mean, almost every day you open them up, up the Washington Post, there's a story that has four unnamed people familiar with the matter who are leaking X, Y, and Z. And, it's just a steady drip of, of information that's coming from the same place. And, yeah. and you know, it, uh, it's gotten embarrassing. And so, like. I mean, I see this because of because of the information war, there's still a public that's uh, uh, desperate for a more democratic, open discussion about what the U.S. is doing in the world and what's happening in Washington, how the sausage is made. And people are turning to you and turning to us. And that frustrates the other side to the point where they're taking measures to just simply wipe us out. And they're not going to be, you know, satisfied with us having even a podcast. Something that both of you have written about is the way that, um, you know, Trump and I'm so tired of having to make these disclaimers about how like you and both of you or whoever I'm defending or having on the show or reading or tweeting about in a positive way that they don't like Trump. So there's no, you don't like Trump. You're not big Trump fans. You're not big Putin fans. But um, you also see how you see things beyond like individual personalities and your politics isn't based on like this hagiography. Um, But talk about, to quote Amy Goodman, talk about the way um, 
people think that there's a lot, there are a lot of people who really think that there should be some kind of intelligence community overthrow or some kind of coup um, or some kind of uh, removal of Donald Trump. And or they'll say whatever they're doing is, is appropriate. Or whatever it takes, kind of. Yeah, whatever they're doing is appropriate, right? Um, what is this, this thing that's, that's worse than Trump that's out there? Which you can't even say, because if you say that, you're kind of, you're accused of being a Trump supporter or Trump fan. But your piece about, like, how coups aren't good right, yeah. was, like, considered heresy. Well, I think Ma Max, you know, you, you were saying that on election yeah. day in talk, 2016. So, yeah, so talk about that. Talk about your talk prediction about, and yeah. what you said that night. Yeah, it was an unusual night. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think this is about you know who's better, Trump or the IC, right, uh, or the CIA. Although, what's you know, IC? The in intelligence, oh, intelligence community. You know, they go. They're like a Mensa group that goes in the woods and just consults an intelligence oracle. It's like an Iron John yeah. meeting. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 they bang drums yeah. and yeah. tell us what's going to happen next with the <laughs> hugging. Um, what, what do they always say on their on their reports? Like a high high confidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not high, sure, but there's a high confidence. High confidence we or believe, medium confidence in the case of the NSA. We but, consulted yeah. the oracle at our Iron. John Sweat Lodge and John Brennan has high confidence that, <laughs> yeah, that Tulsi Gabbard's an asset. No, on election night, you know, I did not want Donald Trump to win. I, I live in D.C., okay? There's no, it goes 85% Democrat. It doesn't matter who I vote for. So I wrote in uh, Jeremy Corbyn and Chapo Guzman. <laughs> um, I mean, I was not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. She is a very dangerous person on the world stage, as we've seen with Libya, Syria, sure. Honduras, um, horrible situation. We've written about it at the gray zone anyway. But, you know, my everyone knows my my parents are supporters of Hillary Clinton. My father has a relationship with her. Um, me and my father have a great relationship. We, we I get along very well with Sydney my parents. Blumenthal. Yeah. And we agree on a, we agree on a lot of things and we don't agree on Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, people don't always agree with their boomer parents. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, it's not a big deal. But I, I was I was hanging out at their uh, victory party, and you know it started to turn kind of grim. Um, and then Ryan uh, Grimm showed up, but um, bum. Uh, he wasn't there, but he just showed up at my father's book party. Um, he has a new book out about Lincoln. So oh really? Let's have Sid like, on. Yeah, you should. I'll set it up. Yeah, uh, we should have he, both you and Sydney on. It could be this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just moving my mug. Did you see Fartgate? Did you see Fartgate? We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Okay. Anyway, we could have you on and be like, what was it? Rich son, poor sons? No, rich dad, poor son. Rich dad, poor dad. I Jim went on Air be... America with him once, like a million years ago. Lib uh, dad left son? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It was the yeah. Bush era, and we yeah, were all just I know. against Isn't the Republicans. Like when you look back, remember, like, I used to go on Rachel Maddow's Air America oh show all God. the time. And I'm like, yeah. she's really smart. Yeah, you know? I remember meeting her once, and, and I was saying how how much I like this was, you know, when Bush was president, and I said how much I like that Stephen Colbert called out as a Catholic, called out like the the incoherence of homophobia in in the Bible. And was basically, I don't know, he made some point about how, like, well, the Bible also says that there should be adult circumcision, and, and, the, and the barn door is kind of closed on that. It's too much and circumcision talk in this episode. In fact, ahead. we haven't, well, for this, ep we're yeah. below our quota. Right, actually, yeah. Below the cutoff, if you will. And um, I remember Rachel Maddow was like, I don't like bio I don't like that. I don't like politics through biography. And I remember being like, she's smart, but this is a dumb point. Anyway, back to what we were saying. It was election night. Election so election night. anyway. Yeah. So I'm, you know, at the Hillary party turns grim. I got a call from my friends. Would you have uh, voted for Hillary in a swing state, by the way? Because you brought up how you voted for. At that time, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have made such a glib decision. But, um, you know, 
it's like choosing between lupus and cancer. It's tough. You can, well, you lupus can, probably. Yeah, I just wonder what Depending war, her, what yeah. big war Hillary yeah. would have started by now. Um, at the same time, she wouldn't have done Trump's trillion dollar tax cut. Right. Um, and that's you know my issue with Trump is that he's just a representative of the sure. oligarchy right. uh, without any you know you know doesn't have the democratic kind of slow motion oligarchy right. Right. Uh, process. Farm but, to table so oligarchy, back to election yeah. night, yeah. I leave because Sam Sachs uh, and Sam Knight, who now have the show District Sentinel, yeah. which I think is uh, a DSA show, at the time they were at Sputnik Radio, yeah. um, which has some good lefty shows. Yeah. And I went in, they said, you want to talk about the election? And I, I went in um, and it was basically Florida had just gone for Trump. And I said, Donald Trump is going to be targeted with a um, deep state intelligence coup. And Sam Sachs was like, what the hell are you talking about? I think he just, you know, he was like, why are you kind of painting Trump as a kind of a victim here? Right. I'm like, I don't like Trump. I don't identify him. But it was obvious what was going to happen next. Um, and in fact, this um, neocon, Jamie Kerchick, had written in the L.A. Times that the intelligence community should mount a coup against Trump. Where was he getting that from? It's like he's getting that through osmosis from the political atmosphere that he exists in, this little neocon hothouse. Um, sort of a trial balloon. Yeah, yeah, trial balloon. Good point. And, and, and so obviously it happened uh, with Russiagate erupting almost you know, a few days after Trump getting elected. And also Hillary Clinton's first public statement. We can't forget what that was. Fake news, the scourge of fake news, which is basically setting the stage for social media censorship. Um, Which is so weird because none of the major stories that came out that summer were really fake news. They were all real news. They, they, I mean, yeah. There were leaks of real. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So what I saw with the Women's March, you know, were, uh, my, my mother went to the Women's March and was protesting Trump's policies on women's reproductive rights. And I'm like, that's totally legitimate. Like, that's what she's always been involved in, right. you know, campaigning for women's reproductive rights. Uh, but I saw these other people carrying these bizarre Russiagate signs, and, and Trump's always gay with Putin. Yeah, it's so It's like, ridiculous. not only is he with people. Putin, but being gay is bad. Right, I know. All these uh, woke people all of a sudden like gay jokes. Well, if you and you look closely at those posters, it's a pregnant Trump with Putin basically being the pitcher and Trump's the catcher, which oh, means that right. our empire is right. being weakened by this more masculine Russian. Right, he's the uh, And Trump is a woman. Right. So it's also kind of like, it's right, sexist, sure. but also imperialist. Like yeah. it's imperialist paranoia. Weren't, weren't there, wasn't there a version of that with Hanukkah and Gorbachev once upon a time? They're, 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 Hanukkah sounds like Bernie Sanders pronouncing Hanukkah. They sell it at the uh, Berlin Wall, the poster of them making out. Right, um, right, right, right. That's a good, yeah, that reminds me of that in a, in a lot of ways, but it's much more explicit. Yeah, this it, is much more, yeah. So I couldn't get into the resistance at that point. It's like, when, what is the resistance? Is this really a resistance against Trump? Where they, you know, it first started out with the Muslim ban and, you know, That's getting, good. getting, going to airports That's and, good. you know, but it was co-opted and hijacked right. by what I think was essentially taking you know, the lessons and the tactics of color revolutions in Eastern Europe and Latin America that these disinformation warriors and intelligence veterans had employed and bringing it back home against Donald Trump and then setting the stage for an intelligence coup, which we're still witnessing through the impeachment hearings. I mean, you just look at the testimony of people like George Kent, who says that, you know, America's traditional foreign policy should be about 
turning countries like Ukraine into NATO states at Russia's doorstep and essentially having not just a cold war with Russia, but possibly a hot war. And he said, this is what we've done for 70 years. Well, I don't agree with that. That's really dangerous. But the point is, these people aren't elected. The the moment for me that was most amazing with that for that was the examination of Vindman. Yeah. And and the um, the the first uh, questioner, I think it was Goldman, right, is saying um, he's he's asking Vindman, like, First, he describes what the consensus was, the, na- the national security consensus. And then, and then Vindman says, um, there, we, we began to be aware of outside influencers um, who were undermining the uniform policy. Like, they were, like, <laughs> yeah. Where did this language yeah. come from? Right. The uniform policy? Like, what the fuck is that? That's right? what they were supposed to wear? Uh, <laughs> uniforms. Well, you know, there are people in Ukraine who wear Nazi uniforms. Oh, yeah. oh my God. The yeah, Azov Battalion. Yeah. Yeah. And George Kent, in his testimony, likened them to the American Minutemen. But, you know, he didn't mean the Minutemen were fighting for slavery. Not, he was not, like, the bat, not the recent ones, but the old ones. Not the, like, uh, The old ones who were also yeah. fighting for Sure, of course. That, yeah. but the, he, origi- that's not what the original Nazi Minutemen. Yeah, right, yeah. But that's not what he meant. He of meant, course. like, they're like, Ameri- these Nazis are American heroes and we should arm them. Um, so... Right. Which no, it's right. So like no one has a problem with the with Trump. This is what's so great. And it's like the whole thing about the impeachment is Trump putting a hold right on the security um, to sell to let to arm Ukraine. Right. And no one's upset about that. No. In fact, that's constantly portrayed as. Trump was withholding the necess- right. vit- vitally necessary military aid. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so the sales, sales war, of these right? javelin missiles right. to Ukraine. Like, why the hell is that in right. our national and I, interest? I interviewed like, Aaron Mate about this for my show, and he was just saying how pathetic it is that Donald Trump, what he did was he put a temporary pause on Obama's po- uh, on. He basically, for a moment, adopted Obama's policies, right? Because Obama actually decided not to green light selling weapons to Ukraine because he didn't want to fuel this proxy war. Yeah. And no one is talking about that and how maybe we don't want to arm Ukraine. That's not the issue at all. It's anything that you can find to nab Trump. And of course, the irony is that it's never something that actually has a strong moral case. And it's never something that will reach the unmotivated base or the Obama to Trump potential uh, anti-Trump voters. Right. Like they somehow the Democrats managed to focus on the entirely yeah. wrong things. Yeah. They were so painful and boring. And, I, and we, we knew this would happen. We knew that Trump wouldn't be humiliated by these impeachment hearings and that no one, everyone who says he would be are the same people who constantly say the walls are closing in on him. And I'm so tired of being called like a Trumpian or a Trump apologist for just having Trump a view left. that's the actually, left, yeah. yeah, the Trump and left, that for having a view that's actually much more effectively anti-Trump or a plan that's much more effectively anti-Trump than the people who define themselves and live and breathe as anti-Trump but provide no actual resistance. So before I get to the ultimate point I wanted to yeah. make related to election night, that's a, that is such an important point because what these impeachment hearings in Russiagate has done is it's reduced the American public and specifically the most progressive sectors of it to spectators. And so when we have anti-war rallies in Washington, it's only, you know, the people who are able to see through this and who are veteran, you know, anti-war activists. You have to ask, 
why in a country where austerity is not only spun out against the rest of the world, but where it's impacted such a large percentage of the population, where we are officially an oligarchy, why we don't see the kind of movements that we see now in Chile, in Haiti, in Ecuador, where they're actually forcing the hands of their government and forcing them to actually roll back some of these brutal austerity policies against the masses of people who are just workers. Why is that? Part of it has to do with the fact that this fake resistance has actually supplanted the real right, resistance we need right. because they're funded by and controlled by the rich and supported and you know interact with our intelligence community. The right. CIA's goal around the world is basically to clear space for international finance. Right. So, so th- that's that's the tragedy that we're dealing with right now, and I don't know how we're going to recover from it. But what I saw that on election night, sitting there with Sam and Sam, was uh, this de- depressing scenario, and I decided that if there is a choice between Trump and a literal intelligence coup where the intelligence, the FBI and all of its cutouts and the CIA gets to determine who our leadership is, you have to go with the elected leader, even if it's elected through the shitty electoral system. You have, you have to just stand on a democratic principle. And the people who attack you for being in the Trump and left, they're anti-democratic. Right. They don't want, they don't respect civilian authority. And so I, I, I kind of, in a way, appreciate the Trump era for bringing out that yeah. contradiction. Well, I mean, I, I always thought that was one of the amazing things about 2016. Like, you know, I, I'd covered presidential elections dating back to 2004. And for me, the story was inc- always incredibly depressing on, uh, in the sense that it was totally predictable. The whole idea was to narrow the, the choices of the electorate down to a, a little tiny stripe where they got to choose between this and that, and they could never break out of it. And, and you, you saw that voters were getting de- extremely depressed by this over time. Trump, for all of his flaws, represented a, you know, a, com- a complete departure from that whole system, right? Like he was, he was outside of that. Now they made a, I think they made a terrible choice, but it wasn't a choice that was within like an accepted framework, right? So it, it, in a way, it was an affirmation of democracy in this crazy way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, I mean, and he was reaching people directly through right. TV shows, through reality TV. And Twitter. Very similar and, mm-hmm. to uh, Vladimir Zelensky in mm-hmm. Ukraine, who was the only person in that country possible of making peace in a proxy war where the U.S. is just treating Ukrainians like bullet stoppers and devastating people in eastern Ukraine. Only someone like that could start this peace process, and he's facing a similar attack, um, but it's from the far right, Uh, um, as well as the kind of NGO apparatus the U.S. has set up to prevent that peace process. That's partly what these Ukraine gate hearings are about as well. There's always an echo of foreign policy in all of these um, domestic spectacles, anti-Trump spectacles. Um, And Bernie Sanders uh, has actually demonstrated a much uh, he's demonstrated much more spine on foreign policy in this primary campaign. He's being kind of ignored uh, because I think, you well, know, he came right out and said the thing was a coup and believe yeah, that, right? Yeah, amazing. Well, first he said it seemed looked like a coup, then he said it, it is a coup. Yeah, and I, I mean, know, but you know, I'm like the last person. Yes, he was far. Well, then we got to talk about Elizabeth his, Warren. His staff is response. his yeah. staff is really on yeah, point. They are. Yeah, uh, he's playing to win this time, um, and. I think that if he somehow gets the nomination, I don't know what the path forward is, but you know he's obviously the only candidate who has an actual movement behind him. Right. We're going to see the 
same campaign run against him that's been run against Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, everyone watching this now uh, can read A Very British Coup by Chris Mullins or go on YouTube and watch the British film uh, made about it for free. Uh, and it will tell you it's it, it's it's the game plan for what's being used against Jeremy Corbyn. But it was a fictional kind of science fiction book mm. in the late 70s written in the UK about a socialist prime minister coming to power, nationalizing industry with massive public support, ending the kind of trident nuclear system in Scotland and rolling back, you know, British neo-imperialism. And he comes under attack from an MI5 coup spun out through the media. Um, and that's exactly what's happening with Corbyn. It is exactly what's happening with Bernie. Um, what, what will happen with Bernie, but for now the strategy is to ignore him until they can piece it's together a narrative. Yeah. And it will be run by many of the same elements that have run this campaign against a odious figure in Donald Trump. Yeah, the, the Bernie campaign, it kind of reminds me of, remember the movie Eric the Viking? It was like a Monty Python movie. I was never a Monty Python uh, fan. It was, so. it was from the guys from Monty Python. There was like a kingdom at the end where like they're, they're on an island and literally like the water rises and sinks the entire island. And they just, they, they're like, they, to the very last, they're saying, I, it, this isn't happening. Where we were, like, They're just pretending it's not happening yeah. literally as they're, as they're falling <laughs> underwater. And that's the, the, the Sanders. Can, it, it's amazing to watch. It's, he's like extracted from the headlines. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it's their not being math covered. is off. I mean, they literally yeah. just get the math wrong when they're covering him. He's not. Yeah, it's like that Stalin fo- famous Stalin image with the person. Right, like, yeah, yeah, Trotsky cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. I see. You know, so much of our, our you know, the, the the color revolutions and the regime change operations in American contemporary political campaigns and. Pete Buttigieg reminds me kind of of like Juan Guaido or this woman Janine Añez in, oh my God. Yeah, in Bolivia, who yeah. she won 4.5 percent of the vote uh, in order to get elected. And now she's sort of self-declared president. Juan Guaido became president of the National Assembly, getting elected with very few votes in one of the least populous states in Venezuela. Um, and Pete Buttigieg, I think, won 8,500 votes to be elected mayor of South Bend and actually lost all of the black districts in the Democratic primary. Um, and now he's like polling at the top in Iowa. Um, he's just being self, pushed yeah. to the top. And, and yeah, and the what, media has. What has he done to earn that? Well, the media decided he was um, surging, and they kept saying it, and they keep saying it, and then you have people who hear it who aren't bad people, per se, although I don't understand people who get excited by him, because I don't know what they're excited by, except for his his woodchuck, je ne sais quoi, which we've we've talked about, but anyway. Yeah, he doesn't even have, what, big structural bailey. No, he has big structural teeth, though. But um, he, uh, he... yeah, it's like they keep saying he's surging, and then you have good-natured people who don't really understand it, and they hear it, and then they think he's a viable candidate. So it's, I, I have a theory that why this is you're going to love, yeah. why this is great news for you, uh, and then maybe all of us. But the, if Buttigieg wins in Iowa, that's great for Bernie Sanders. Oh, really? Because he wins if he wins in Iowa, he can't win in South Carolina. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Because Especially because he just made it, created some phantom black voters. But we'll talk about that in a second. He's yeah. polling at zero with black voters in Iowa. So There are zero black voters in Iowa. Oh, no, I'm sorry, in, in, in South Carolina. Yeah. He's, pol- he's polling at zero. So if Buttigieg wins Iowa, then the Democratic vote is, go- is going to be fractured because the, he, the, he can't win in, right. in one of the next key states. So the, it's going to be the same situation that happened with Trump. The, the, the person who has a consistent 
big base of support in every state right. is going to be the one that's going to be it's going to be most yeah. likely to win, and that's that would be Bernie in that situation. So if it ends up being split between Buttigieg, Warren, and Biden, you know, if it's four people, it's, it, Bernie would have the clearest path. So should we start doing like campaign work? For, yeah, for, for, for Buttigieg. I don't know. It's, inter it's, it's yeah, an interesting yeah. development because I, uh, I wouldn't have thought that until Buttigieg's recent surge, which right. came, comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just so, so thank strange. you, Chris Eliza, who spends yeah. like a quarter of his time talking about how Buttigieg is number three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He, I don't know what, I mean, it's weird. He is like Buttigieg math or Buttigieg There should be like a pope rock. of conventional wisdom. Yeah. Right? Of like idiotic he, conventional wisdom. I think, wisdom. Would, would that be Saliza? I think it would. I, guess, I mean, you're yeah. seeing, uh, you know. He interned for George Will, by the way. Did I tell you that? Did he? Yeah, he was George Will's in, intern. The Democratic primary is just further example of the kind of establishment collapse. They just can't settle on anyone who can push Bernie out, and it's just great to watch. Yeah. It's hilarious. They just, they just keep bringing new freaks in every day who I'd forgot. I forgot about Deval Patrick. He oh, was God, a, yeah, Matt wrote a He was a project that. of uh, David Axelrod, and like basically they repurposed his speeches for Obama. He gave the same right. speeches. I mean, he's the 28th person to jump into the race on the yeah. Democratic side. You know, the, somebody from AmeriQuest and Bain Capital. Like, are you serious? It just shows the, to the total... Well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, the, the total lack of imagination and the inability to recognize that they, they can't... Can't, they can't seem to figure out that none of these people are going to work, you know? Yeah. So here's a bold prediction. Hillary enters as a third-party candidate <laughs> against oh Bernie God. Sanders and helps the Republican win. Wow. Oh, my God. That would be great. That would be, that's, that's like I'm a not officially Bruckheimer predicting movie. that. Right. I'm just throwing that throwing out, there. out there. What yeah. is your prediction for next year? I, I, can't, I can't make one. I just think we'll just see further, uh, you know, evidence of establishment collapse, contradictions exploding. Trump's base has narrowed out substantially, and there's a lot of energy against Trump. So Democratic turnout could put anyone over the top. But it's hard to imagine Elizabeth Warren matching up well against Trump. Uh, it's hard to yeah, imagine no. Joe Biden, you know. Not sunsetting, like the Patriot Act. That's yeah. right, it's a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Biden's just, um, you know, He's sort of it's turn on get on the phone. Yeah, get on the phone. Uh, what did what did he say? He was, turn on the record. He was player. like turn on the record player, but then he says get on the phone, and <laughs> nobody heard him I know, say that. I know he starts talk to it. your kids. Four thousand people who talk to their kids do so. <laughs> you know, I'm like. That's so pretty good. black kids, I mean, poor, what is he? What black is he? kids, yeah. poor, I mean, I poor mean, kids, I mean, black kids. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a comedy show. I'm glad he's out there. I almost feel sorry for him yeah. if, he, if he wasn't such a heinous person oh who, had, you know, never met a war he didn't like. Uh, you know, he proposed bulldozing raves. He, 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 oh my God, really? He openly, he gave this, delivered this rant on the Senate floor, calling for, uh, we're going to enforce the crack house policy on these raves. Bring out the bulldozers and destroy. <laughs> the raves that's awesome. it was like you know ariel sharon coming down <laughs> on like a refugee camp of raves like he should enter a each speech on a bulldozer yeah you know well I mean? he actually yeah. eulogized ariel sharon at his funeral and referred to him fondly as the bulldozer oh uh, i could so say him the old the old bulldozer i think this turned out be this is more of a local problem if i were governor of my state or mayor of my town i would be passing new ordinances relating to stiff criminal penalties for anyone who held a rave. The promoter, the guy who owned the building. I would put the son of a gun in jail. I would change the law. But we're afraid to do that because we affect commercial interests. They get kind of shaky when we do that. I would be moving vigorously 
It's no, you can ask, my cops are going to come and testify. And you know your folks. There's no doubt about where these raves are. In the middle of the desert, arrest the promoter. Find a rationale unrelated to drugs. Keeping an unsafe, for example, I'm the guy who authored the crack house legislation. We can use the crack house legislation to tear down these buildings. Just bring him, bring him into the desert. Bring, he basically said, to, fabricate a rationale. I know, find, find the rationale. rationale. And I, you know, can we, can, so we, can we make find the rationale yeah. t-shirts? Biden 2020? Yeah. Find Biden, the rationale. Biden 2020. Find the rationale. Find the rationale. <laughs> Actually, that's hilarious. That's find the rationale. <laughs> oh my God, we just got the winning slogan. We, gotta, we, gotta have we have the, to make that. The bleeding eyes. Yeah, the, the bleeding eye, the yeah. Find, find yeah. The he's, he's talking about the crack house, on a less funny note, he's talking about the crack house legislation. It's just it's the whole like you know, right. establishment freak out about crack houses. And, you know, being, I was thinking about Biden when I was, you know, doing my little two uh, day hiatus in right. jail, you know, seeing, you know, 70 young black men in a cage for basically being poor, doing nothing. Right. That's Biden's legacy. Yeah, As he, he used to brag about it. He bragged about it. He rammed that through in the, in the Senate. And so he needs to be... Every minor major crime bill has this senator's name on it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the, yeah. what Kamala Harris yeah. did in her little you know, DA position, Biden did on a national yeah. level, and that's his legacy. He opened doors for, for people like uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah, she was he opened girl. prison doors. Yeah, um, he closed prison doors. Well, he opened them to get people in, then closed them. Yeah. Find what the rationale. Establish a find a rationale. Find the rationale. So yeah, I don't really have a, a prediction, and that you if you know, had to bet on the field or or somebody who's not currently in the oh, race, that's a good question. Um, to win the presidency next year, who would you bet on? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm just not going to do that. It's you, you not going to go I like well. the way you take your bets really seriously. You, you take your predictions seriously. I prefer to bet on myself and that's about yeah. it. Like if you want to play one-on-one, like I'll bet on myself. It's the, this is the hardest gambling election of all time. Yeah. I don't think it's even close. Like the, 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 because just as you say, Trump's base is smaller. The numbers look bad for him right now. If you're just looking at the polls, but it's just impossible to imagine him one-on-one against almost anybody and losing. In other, in other words, like, you know, Bernie, I can see winning, yeah. you know, a broad, broad thing, but Warren, I, Biden, it's just yeah. so hard to see no, that. I, mean, how, how I that cannot would. see, uh, Biden Warren, and Warren. The, you know, him, when, whenever he starts a, um, a narrative that everyone is offended by in the liberal intelligentsia about a candidate, you know that he's onto something right. and that it's very right, effective and right, it will fall right. on fertile soil. Yes. So two days before Hillary Clinton collapsed on 9-11 in the heat and was like seen yeah, shaking, yeah. Trump started raising questions about her health. Yeah, he taps into it. He's like the, the, the something whisperer. Yeah. He was like, how dare he? he? You know, he's lying. And he, you know, he said he was being wiretapped. And they're like, he's the conspiracist in chief. They would have those chirons on CNN. He was being wiretapped. But anyway, he's this, this, this narrative about... Warren and Pocahontas. Yeah, it's that's po- real. She per- she perpetrated racial fraud, and she will never be able to live it down. Yeah. and she potentially took advantage of an affirmative action program, and replaced a qualified Native American right. Indian student from being able to get into Harvard Law. Right, she said a lot of very eat. weird and dishonest. Plus her things. recipe for powwow chow, yeah, which, which we, we have to. And then okay. big structural Bailey. I mean, it's just she's just kind of like a smug 
dork who you could imagine right. in a fa- like a f- administrative meeting at Harvard, but I can't imagine her in a debate with right. Trump. Well, she wouldn't do very good against Scott Brown, and she didn't even do well with Amy Goodman. I mean, if that got her so flustered, if Amy Goodman got her so flustered when when she mentioned um, you know the order of the primaries, <laughs> yeah. You Did know, you see her on Pod Save America no. with this like apparatchik? Yeah. So what happened? Pod Save America, which one of the Johns on that show says that you know with Venezuela, it's one of the cases where Trump is actually right. Quick to turn to some foreign policy, if that's okay. I'm ready. <clears throat> okay. So there is a, a humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, people are literally starving to death. Hospitals don't have like gauze or band aids, like the most basic supplies. Yep. Um, the Trump administration has recognized the National Assembly President Juan Guaido as as the president uh, and encouraged a bunch of other countries to follow suit. And frankly, what was a pretty impressive diplomatic play mm-hmm. by them. He also sanctioned Venezuela's oil industry, which is a major step, which could cut off all their supply of dollars and their ability to you know, have an economy. Do you agree with those two steps, recognizing Guaido and the sanctions on the oil uh, sector? And, and if so, I mean, how do we back up a step as bold as saying there's a new president uh, and it's this guy that we named, especially given our history in Latin America? So, so I want to I want to broaden this one out just Please. a little bit. Start with the fact that Maduro is obviously a dictator. He's terrible. He's stolen this election. Right. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for the people of Venezuela. So that's part one. Part two, this notion of using our diplomatic tools, I'm all for it. I think recognition, I think getting our allies to do it, it's a way to bring diplomatic pressure. Um, economic sanctions, mm-hmm. yeah. I support economic sanctions, but now we're going to start Got we got to turn the dial some here. We have to offer humanitarian help at the same time. We can't let people starve. It doesn't matter that Maduro's willing to let his own people starve. Yeah, so that basically just tells you that she knew nothing about foreign policy going in and her brain was hijacked by the think tank blob in Washington, D.C. And so this guy, this apparatchik starts out, who is it, Tommy Vitor yeah. or whatever? You know, he, he says that, first of all, he praises Trump's foreign policy. And he said that the best part of it is that they've been preventing Venezuela from having an economy. So he admits that U.S. Yeah. unilateral coercive measures, sanctions, are destroying the lives of average Venezuelans and, ca- and helping to fuel the migration crisis. And then Warren comes in and, first of all, tells a series of lies that Maduro stole the election. He did not. It was a free and fair election, according to the former Spanish Prime Minister Zapatero, who monitored it. Uh, the African uh, Union monitored it, CARICOM, Caribbean states monitored it, and there were international observers. But the reason that they say it was stolen was because the U.S.-backed right-wing extremist opposition boycotted the elections and got many other political parties to boycott. So the one major um, opposition candidate, Henry Falcone, when he decided to run for the good of Venezuela and Venezuelan democracy against Maduro, the U.S. threatened to sanction him for running in the election because they want to delegitimize Venezuela's democratic institution. Mm. So Warren, she doesn't know any of that. She never will. She's just going along to get along. And then she says that we should fuel the migration crisis even further by continuing to destroy the economy within Venezuela, by imposing a blockade on it, while incentivizing people to leave by providing them with aid on the Colombian side. And that, to me, highlights the danger 
of Elizabeth Warren, where you've basically gone to like a cryonics lab with Hillary's brain and implanted it <laughs> in hers on foreign policy. And I guess she wants to do big structural change, but here you see big structural Bailey rolling over for IMF uh, readjustment. Rolling over, that was good. Yeah. Rolling over for uh, IMF structural readjustment policy. Right, right. Well, well yeah. done, yeah. So let's talk about your reporting on Bolivia, what's happening in Bolivia, and also the reporting that you guys have been doing at the gray zone on Bolivia. Well, again, what we have been trying to do is to fill in the gaps of the rest of Western media, um, because as I said before, the kind of most dangerous propaganda is what's left unsaid. Um, And in this situation, um, not only do you have an undemocratic coup where a unpopular, previously unknown right-wing figure who said her dream is to rid her country of indigenous people (laughs) has been vaulted into the presidency um, in violation of the Constitution. Not only do you have the organization of American states, this cat's paw for imperialism, run by a fanatic, Luis Almagro, uh, declaring that there was electoral fraud without any clear evidence or basis, not only do you have the Bolivian military running out the first indigenous president before he was even able to finish his term after clearly winning an election, you have fascism, uh, which has been a traditional element of Bolivian society and uh, politics since uh, the end of World War II, when many people started to emigrate to Bolivia from who were Nazi collaborators in Europe uh, or Nazis themselves when in the 1950s Klaus Barbie a Gestapo torturer who tortured communists in France and Jews and others was given safe haven in Bolivia and repurposed by the CIA as part of Operation Condor to prevent socialism in Latin America and so what we did in our first piece on Bolivia was to expose the real face and voice of the coup, the person who mobilized the right-wing masses in Bolivia, who was coordinating closely with the U.S., Luis Fernando Camacho. He was first the, uh, for two years, between his, when he was 22 and 24, the leader of a group called the Union Juvenil Crucenista, UJC, which is a fascist paramilitary based in Santa Cruz, which is the you know, biggest city in Bolivia, but it's also the financial capital yeah. where his family runs a natural it's white, gas cartel. It's whiter than other cities. Whiter than yeah. other cities. You basically the country's divided between the indigenous majority in El Alto and you have the, you know, whiter and mestizo middle yeah. class population who just hate Less indigenous. Yeah. yeah. They hate indigenous people. Yeah. They consider them Satanists. Yeah, she and this called is, this new president called them Satanic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Camacho's UJC um, you know, this, they emerged from these fascist elements I described in the 50s. They're, you know, getting money from um, Croatian Bolivian oligarchs with ties to the Ustasha, which helped occupy Croatia on behalf of Nazi Germany. And they sigheil. They, yeah. there's, and so we produced video of their, these, this youth group sigheiling. Um, and then they, you know, they do other obvious fascist phalange style Roman yeah. salutes. Um, and they also beat indigenous people in the streets. They were the street muscle that helped push the coup. And then you have the Santa Cruz Coordination Committee, which the U.S. was funding. And they run a separatist movement. They want to divide Bolivia because they don't want to be part of a country where the indigenous masses have the right to vote and advance their interests, even though they help power that economy. Evo Morales was a very successful leader economically. He brought the country together into this kind of with this plurinational vision. And now you see lowered poverty rates, lowered poverty rates massively. 
Same thing, by the way, you see with the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, where they've also faced a similar coup, but defeated it. And now you see soldiers ripping the Wipala off of their uniforms. The Wipala is the symbol of the indigenous nation. And this is very emotional for a lot of for indigenous people. I mean, they're seeing their, the symbol of their nation being burned in the streets. Is now this, they're being killed. This is the dicey part that Clara Jeffrey yeah, was talking about. This is yeah. the dicey. It's, remember, this is the dicey it's part. Dicey, you know, Eva was dicey. Oh well, yeah, it's dicey times. But Eva did a lot of run. What is it? Run arounds with democracy, and yeah. runs around democracy. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, the New York Times editorial board endorsed it. Endorsed right? the coup. The Economist called it like a self coup. I mean, then you have all of these, you know, idiot kind of elite liberals who are like, you know, Morales, he wasn't democratic. Right. It's a, sort Chris of a victory Murphy, for democracy. Um, uh, Clara Jeffrey, um, Kenneth Roth, then all Ken the people Roth, who, regime from change Human Roth. Rights Watch yeah. who are now saying, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's um, make sure that there's democracy and there, there's no violence. It's a little late. A little yeah, late. and so, you know, a few days later, the resistance mobilizes, like the real resistance. Yeah. The social movements get their act together and they start marching you know, the cocaleros, the coca farmers who uh, represent the union that Evo Morales led and helped, you know, establish him as a national leader. The unions, teachers, um, working class people across the country start to mobilize, uh, especially from the country and march on the cities to demand their democracy back. And they get mowed down by a military and security forces, which, as we reported at the Gray Zone, right. through a really important piece by our contributor Jeb Sprague, we're trained at the School of the Americas, which is basically the Insurrection Education Academy um, that's been involved in every coup in Latin America. Oldie but a goodie. Yeah, yeah oldie but yeah. a goodie. Well, they, yeah, they so renamed right. themselves WinSec. Right. Um, they have a new name. Yeah. So um, how many people have been killed now? Well, it's, tw- it's up to 24, maybe more, hundreds wounded. And now you kind of see this people who, the people mm-hmm. who endorse the coup, they're mm-hmm. like, eh. Yeah, including, did you guys see Elizabeth Warren's, uh, she has a great tweet about this, Elizabeth Warren. The Bolivian people deserve free and fair elections as soon as possible. Bolivia's interim leadership must limit itself to preparing for an early legitimate election. Bolivia's security forces must protect demonstrators, not commit violence against them. But you know what I was thinking when I saw that? Let's go back to 1973, Chile, right? The Chilean people, you could do the same thing after Allende was killed. The Chilean people deserve free and fair elections as soon as possible. Chile's interim leadership must limit itself to preparing for an early legitimate election. Chile's security forces must protect demonstrators, the not Shah commit violence against I mean, them. You know. Right? You could do the same thing. I mean, to be fair, Allende was actually killed. Um, Morales just had his house ransacked and, and fled under threat of violence. And it, this isn't funny, but it... It's terrible. They have footage of his house being ransacked, and then you hear people who are filming it. They're like, "Ay, qué gimnasio más increíble!" Yeah, and it's, they're like, it's, "Look at this great, amazing it's gym." It's just like a treadmill. That, yeah, like, and it's sneakers, not like yeah. it's not like a peloton that like every you know housewife in a McMansion, right. the excerpts yeah. has. Anyway, but that's yeah. I mean, this is a ridiculously embarrassing tweet, which again shows uh, maybe if it had been done like. B- earlier on i mean the thing is that like people have reported like the stuff that you reported at the gray zone if the new york times had reported on the racist tweets of this new president Agnes, or her holding a huge bible like a bible for like kids it was just unbelievable it was yeah it's like a bible for people who can't see very yeah, well exactly. it's like, yeah exactly yeah the letters huge. are huge yeah it's like and then jehoshaphat begat yeah you know so and so the new york times called her a conservative 
uh, Woman. conservative uh, Christian who is possibly divisive. It's like possibly, yeah. They're also doing the both sides with yeah. the race stuff. How both she and Ava Morales. They said that Morales for calling it a coup and pointing out that their racism is deepening the divide. Right. Yeah. They just, you know, the reporters at the New York Times use that disgusting. exact language. So again, the propaganda is also about what's not being said, and we're trying to kind of fill the void and break the media blockade. We have a contributor in Bolivia now, Wyatt Reed, so definitely oh, follow, yeah, his, follow his Twitter account and look for his dispatches. Uh, we'll be reporting from the ground in Bolivia and showing a very different side of events than, you know, yeah. the and, papers yeah. that... Ugh, kill our democracy in darkness. And yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. Max, thanks so much yeah, for, uh, thank for, so for much. coming thank on. Thank really you. Was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and everyone and, uh, read um, The Management of Savagery. Great book. Good, thank good, you. good luck at your status hearing. Yeah. I'll be updating, and thanks everyone for supporting me on that. That was great. It really was. It really was. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that. And uh, speaking of which, uh, next week we're off because it's Thanksgiving. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have things for you to listen to right. and watch. It's including part two of uh, our interview with Max Blumenthal. And more exploration of farts and other things? Yeah. Hearts and farts, they fade. Fade away, like <laughs> Pearl Jam says. All right. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in. Yeah. And, um, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. And remember, blame all your farts. Any farts that happen on Thanksgiving or any other time on moving that's right that's mugs. right don't move your mug around these yeah. yeah yeah don't move your mug around or do move it around yeah Michael Toscano, hoping you'll join me on the First Light Podcast. We get to the heart of the event shaping our world as our correspondents check in and we talk with newsmakers and people who can take us behind the headlines. The First Light Podcast, wherever you get podcasts.